Live from South Florida, the Brian Mudd Show starts right now. Now, now. News Radio 610 WIOD. I concur with the position of the governor and the commissioner about the fact that there are better ways of assessing students today rather than relying on one single end-of-year assessment. Some of our questions are curiosities about some of the requirements, for example, for the third grade, as well as for graduation requirements, because these are going to be impacting families across the entire state. Okay, and so yesterday, the big announcement. I wasn't sure this was going to be the big announcement when Governor DeSantis said there's going to be a major announcement at the Duval County School District on Tuesday. I was thinking, man, I might have something to do with discipline. But it was the announcement that his one of his top legislative priorities for the upcoming legislative session, which starts in January, is the end of the FSA. And as I outlined in my top three takeaways today, it is widely popular. Talking about the elimination of it, DeSantis laid out a 75% estimated reduction in time spent testing in the classroom for standardized tests. You have the FEA that is fully behind this. And as the governor has also outlined, it would put the final nail in the Common Core era coffin. And here to talk about this and other related educational matters, State Senator Manny Diaz, Jr. How you doing today? Good. How are you, Brian? Good to be on with you again. Yeah, doing pretty well. And so I imagine you're among the many that are willing to vote to make the FSA go away. Tell us about it. Yeah, I'm not only uh, willing to vote for it, but it uh, looks like I probably will be carrying the legislation in the Senate. Um, and uh, and I think, look, I think we have to maintain accountability. I'm all for it. I, I, I keep my position. But I think that times change and new technologies are available, which allow our teachers to do these uh, progress monitoring assessments throughout the year on chunks of uh, of information, on chunks of, of, uh, of the learning that should take place during a year. And it gives teachers the ability to really be dynamic and shift gears and adjust to students' learning. So um, I, I'm all for it. I mean, the devil is in the details, Brian, like with anything else. So we have to be, you know, anytime you go into school accountability, testing and all that, you have to be really careful and really mindful of what you do. But I think this is a positive announcement, and I think parents are receiving it well, teachers are receiving it well, superintendents are receiving it well, and I expect my colleagues to receive it well as well. And to that end, you know, the governor outlined, you know, kind of vaguely what might come behind it. And it sounded like a customizable kind of like progress test. Is that still in theory something that would have to be worked out? Yeah, I mean, the, the details, first of all, it has to be unified. So it's a uniform system across the state that's, that's being used so that you can still plug this into the accountability system. So we're still going to uh, be able to look at a teacher's classrooms and the progress that the students have made individually and as a class. And we're still going to do that for a school-wide and be able to plug that in. It's basically going to have to replace the end-of-year test scores, which are outdated. And by the time we get the data back to the schools and to the teachers, they have a hard time applying the use of that data to better the child's education. So now it's going to be more dynamic, uh, live, and, and that's, that's going to be not only used to create a cumulative score at the end of the year, where we expect students to be at a, a, they have, they have learned certain things by the end of, let's say third grade, fourth grade, wherever it is. Uh, but at the same time, allowing teachers to make those mini adjustments that we're talking about in the, in the middle of that uh, semester or the middle of the year. And Manny, 
the state session starts in January, and most legislation begins with the uh, beginning of, uh, of July and in, in a typical year anyway, which would be in time for the subsequent school year. Do you anticipate the way that the legislation will be drafted would make the current school year, the 2021-2022 school year, the last year of the FSA? Yeah, this would, so if we are able to, and, and granted, this has to pass the legislature, get back to the governor, but if we're able to get this through, which we should, this would be, the, this year we're in right now, 21-22, would be the last year of the FSA. And then what we would do, uh, Brian, is go into a transition year where we would start to implement the, the progress monitoring, but the schools and school grades, all of that would be held harmless because you have to create a baseline. There has to be a baseline year like every time that we have changed the test over the last 20 years. And then from that baseline, you start the accountability uh, the following year, which I guess this would be 23-24, based on the scores that we have seen from that transition year. So this is a, this is a lengthy process, uh, and we have to make sure that we get it right. Uh, a lot of folks are excited about it, but again, it's the devil's in the details, and we have to make sure we get this right. Understood. All right, so let's switch gears. I am somewhat dumbfounded, and, and to a lesser extent, amazed at what's playing out in our school district. So I enjoyed civics. I'm very much a fan of civics education becoming mandatory as part of the best curriculum. Good stuff here in Florida that's happening. Now, uh, going way back, uh, I I enjoyed these subjects. And so I'm familiar with the branches of government. And, and so we have our legislative branch, of which you are a member, and, and we have our executive branch, of which the governor is our, our executive, and we have the judicial branch. And and my understanding on matters is when all three branches say something is the law, that there really isn't much choice in the matter. And so here we have had the legislature take substantive action, the chief executive of the state take action, and the court system back up the action that was taken, all of which says that any mass mandate in any school district without a parental opt-out is illegal. And near as I can tell, we have over 20 districts, including Broward, Miami-Dade, Palm Beach County, Monroe, that say screw you to all the aforementioned right now. What do you make of this? Yeah, I think it's, it's closer to 12 districts, Ryan, because the other, some of the other districts have made the mass policy with an opt-out. And as long as it's an opt-out, it's seen as in compliance. I think that regardless of how anyone feels about masks or anything else, this is a very dangerous uh, road that we're on because – uh, local governments that are appendages of the state constitutional officers cannot decide what state law or state rules to apply and what others they're just going to disagree with and put by the wayside. So this is a much bigger issue than mask. Obviously, the, the case numbers, the positive cases are subsiding. The numbers are lowering, lower hospitalization. It looks like we're getting out of this surge. So this is going to fade away. And I, you'll probably see a lot of these districts change over to mask optional, especially when we get the final ruling from the District Court of Appeals, it looks like it's going to rule in favor of the state. But the problem is not that. It's about the bigger picture, which means when the legislature passes a law and the governor signs it and the judicial branch upholds it as constitutional, you can't have local governments deciding what they're going to enforce and what they're not going to enforce. So I think that we have to take a longer look at this, uh, regardless of if this subsides and we don't end up in a special session. I think during the regular session, we have to take a look at this, and there has to be specific penalties for those who have taken an oath to follow the law and the Constitution. And, and again, you can argue with it. Once a court rules, uh, you know, a court of appeals or the Supreme Court rules that it is constitutional within the bounds and the duties of the legislature and the governor, 
then you can't just decide you're not going to you know implement it, the law. Stunning. I mean, it really is lawlessness. I hear from parents all the time that, you know, talk about, uh, aside from their frustration with it and wanting to have that choice, what kind of a message does it send to the kids when literally their schools are breaking the law and they're supposed to be teaching them? Uh, it is beyond the pale. And, and I think it is that the conduct of, of these school boards, in addition to these superintendents, indefensible, absolutely indefensible. It is under the law anyway. And, and so to that end... I've also had, you know, some parents ask me, well, if they're going to break the law with this, what stops them from CRT, for example? You know, the Florida Board of Education, they they passed the ban effectively banning things like critical race theory. How can we trust what's happening in the classroom if we can't even trust the school districts to abide by the law? Yeah, yeah and that's the, that's the bigger point that I was making, and this is much larger than masked. And it, number one, I think that as unpopular as it may be, I think that the you know the, the board of education has to step in. There has to be larger financial penalties, and obviously, you don't want to hurt the kids in the classroom. But the other thing that I'm pondering, I have it in drafting. I'm probably going to file it as soon as it's ready. Is to convert the Hope Scholarship that the by state board rule they said a parent can take advantage of if the district is imposing a mask mandate. I'm going to put that in and say if a district is violating state law or state board rule, that the Hope Scholarship become an ESA and let parents make the decision then to start to pull out from these lawless school districts and, and take those dollars with them. And I think that's going to catch their attention. And I, and I think that, that, number one, number two, I do think that we have to resolve this matter once and for all, once it's done in court and put in uh, steps that uh, would uh, prevent this from happening again because like you said this is one thing and if they start doing something like crt i would expect the state board to step in and and freeze all of their funding and let the the district and the elected officials have to deal with the consequences of their constituents uh, of not receiving those tax dollars because they're violating the law it has to it has to come to an end brian we can't have lawlessness amen Amen. And I am glad that you're willing to lead on this front because I think it is critically important. And I'm glad that you're talking about the big picture because I do think that this is much bigger than even school mask mandates, as you've talked about. I'll look forward to progress. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, Brian. Thank you again. State Senator Manny Diaz, Jr. And that's all there is to it. So, you know, Superintendent Carvalho, who, you know, we used to have for years a, a good rapport and good conversations with. He hasn't wanted to come on the show to talk about this. Uh, Mr. Carvalho, you are breaking the law. The To Dr. Carwright, who was willing to come on, which I greatly respect, you are still breaking the law. Okay, And for every school board member who voted to support, you are breaking the law. There are two sides to stories. There are one side of facts. Those are the facts. It's beyond the pale. Not becoming. And it's not right. You're listening to The Brian Mudd Show, News Radio 610 WIOD. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.